What's up, bikers? Welcome to the Biker Bar podcast. Here we are, episode 166, and today we have 99 spokes. And if you're like me two weeks ago, you might not have heard of them. But they actually have a pretty pretty rad website that they built that help, let, lets you decide or actually compare multiple bikes, which I thought is really cool. And they have an up-and-coming social media presence that's been putting out some pretty good content. So one way or another, you know how the YouTube algorithm works. It just pops things in front of you. And next thing you know, here we are, we're chatting. So before that, I want to thank everybody on Patreon. Somebody popped in there this week. That was that was much appreciated. You guys are honestly what's supporting the channel. It's super grassroots. Um, just think of it this way. If you uh, give your waitress a, a 20% tip when she brings your food to the table, usually it's probably more than five bucks. So you can drop five bucks my way, help this channel go. And um, it does all the good things. It buys camera gear. It puts beer in the fridge. I mean, that's an essential to this thing being successful. But nonetheless, otherwise, you can swing by Instagram or Facebook. Give me a follow over there. And uh, that that helps keep the stoke high. Obviously, if you're on YouTube, you know what to do on the YouTube. So the likes, the subscribes, those are fun. Anyways, let's go ahead and bring these guys back on. And we'll start talking about some bikes. So we have Scott and we have Josh. So two two guests today. How's it going, guys? Very good. Stoked to be here, Robert. Right yeah, on. Excellent. I just screwed it up. There. I, do I have the names right? Yeah, it looks good. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you guys listening, it's 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 always a little bit of a shit show here when it's live. So, <laughs> anyways, so you guys um, started, or I, I'm not sure who who's the the in the founding crew here. Uh, of, That's me. Uh, yeah. Folks. Yeah. What, what, uh, if you were explaining what 99 spokes is, what is it to you? Sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Almost seven years ago now, um, I was working at a company. I'm a software engineer. Some friends and I, a couple of buddies were looking for something fun to do on the side. Um, we were kicking various projects around and around that time I was out on my road bike. I crashed, I bent my derailleur hanger. I needed a replacement. Couldn't figure out what, uh, model year it was. I couldn't remember. And I looked online, there was nothing there. So that sort of spawned the idea of, well, let's, you know, use technology to, you know, build like a, a bike archive that helps people find replacement parts for, for their bikes. Mm -hmm. um, and then that, that's really where it started. We just basically started aggregating, you know, all the bike data we could get a hold of. Um, we kind of pivoted away from the replacement parts idea pretty early um, because one, that's a really challenging problem to solve uh, with the limited data that's out there and it would require a lot more resources than we had. And the general interest seemed to be around, you know, people shopping for new bikes because as someone who's obsessed with bikes, it's kind of, you're always thinking like, you know, what's new and what's interesting and how does that compare to what I have or what I've written and whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so that's sort of, that was the inception of, of 99 spokes and, um, that's how it what was the idea with the, with the, um, spare parts to be like linking to places to sell them and then making some kind of like commission off of that. Or was it like the idea was like ad based revenue for the website? I mean, to be honest, I don't think we had a really solid, a solid monetization plan <laughs> at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think in the early days, this was like, you know, can we build something cool and make enough money to like 
buy a burrito and you know yeah. like stretch you know stretch goal is you know can we elaborately launder money away from the family resources through this little side project to buy bike parts yeah 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 and then you know i wouldn't have i don't think we truly imagined being where we are today you know seven years ago um, yeah i think a but lot that of was kind of i think ahead. a lot of people that start things just um it, it doesn't it doesn't usually start with this like huge idea i mean even just like like you said when i started my youtube channel i think my monetary goals were i, I actually remember saying to one of my friends if i can buy one bike part by the end of the year <laughs> it was worth it <laughs> yeah yeah no it's definitely a, a passion thing right like you're doing it because you love the thing that you're working on and you know that's the main motivator and i think I think at the end of the, you know, when you're able to focus on the thing you're building, you know, just around, you know, how can I make this useful to me, you know, and the problems that I have, you know, I think it's, it actually helps you build a better product than when you're trying to figure out how to optimize for clicks or, yeah, you know, ads or. So it was just you initially by yourself or? No, um, I, it was uh, two friends and I, um, Brian Smith and Jacob Carpenter. Um, we were, we were coworkers and, you know, I think most of the code and the site in the early days was created just at, like during our lunch break at work. And yeah, um, so. it sort of, it, it evolved into a nights and weekends thing, um, you know, over the years. Um, I, th you know, we were, we were just shouting into the void for a long time, you know, I think at least a couple of years, like where most of our traffic is, is Google organic. So if Google doesn't think we're interesting, then obviously we're not getting any traffic. And so it was like, like that way for a long time. Um, we started to, actually, I think the first real interesting needle mover for us as far as, oh, this is a real thing, was connecting with Canyon Bikes, Canyon USA. Mm -hmm. um, we had, you know, we'd done our own little, like, you know, make Reddit posts or, you know, post in forums, like, hey, we did this thing, check out this new feature. Right. And one of the, uh, like the director of marketing at Canyon USA saw our Reddit post and then reached out and then we connected with Blair, the president of Canyon USA, and they were super excited because they're really interested in using the data that we'd, you know, um, organized. So mm -hmm. when they're looking at, you know, their product lineup and how does it compare to what else is on the market and what are other people are looking at, um, that became really interesting to them. And that sort of kind of enlightened us to this other and you know an actual revenue option for this mm -hmm. project that we had um and yeah so i think that was the first big moment for us and then we our traffic was just kind of growing slowly but then when the pandemic hit um i don't know if that was coincidence or we just were around long enough, but our traffic really started to take off at that point. Yeah, it seemed like everybody that had anything to do with bikes and in, yeah. in the pandemic kind of blew up. So yeah, I, I know even with other creators that are in my space, like we've all seen a kind of a dip since that that has kind of come off. You know, a lot of people went from you know whatever number of views to a definite percentage more during during the covid thing so what's um so you said you started out with three and now you're having a hard time understanding where you or how you guys got to where you're at where you at? sure now? yes sorry uh so the let's see we, it was a side project for until about a year and a half ago 
Um, uh-huh. And then at which point my colleague Brian and I jumped and went full time on 99 spokes, quit our day jobs. Um, and then at that time we hired or shortly after that, you know, we hired another developer to help us with the data work that we're doing. And um, we have some part-time, we have like a part-time UI UX person and a part-time, you know, bookkeeper. And, and then Josh came on, I think in a little bit like July-ish. July, um, end of July. Yeah. So, so, so it was, and, it was sort gosh, of a long burn and a lot of like, we just saved yeah. everything. And then we got to a point where we had enough runway to, to make a go at it. And, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. And Josh, so that uh, the people listening kind of get it, get a feel for what you're doing over there. Can you explain yeah. to them? Uh, what I'm doing specifically like with 99 spokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was hired by them. It's, Kind of an interesting story how we connected. If you if you want me to go yeah, down go for it, man. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, we're so here to chat. <laughs> I started running my own YouTube channel um, about a year and a half ago, and mostly centered around hardtail content. I'm a huge hardtail guy, um, but my wife was in it a little bit too, and it was kind of a mix between doing like review type videos and just kind of road trips and kind of your average like COVID mountain biker YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, um, bikes online, are you familiar with bikesonline.com yep. or yeah, yeah. yeah. So they actually reached out to us, um, to be presenters for their, um, YouTube platform and Instagram and stuff. And I wasn't quite ready at that time to like, let go of some of the brand deals that I had worked with. And I was working with a couple of companies. Um, RSD was the main one, but also, um, uh, Marin a little bit, um, spacing but i wasn't quite ready to like kind of let go of that um so all being said is wendy started working with them as a presenter and i was working alongside this company and and um the head of content over there his name was phil was actually in conversations with 99 spokes about taking this position and kind of at last minute he got a promotion at bikes online and decided to stay there and scott kind of was like you know anybody else and uh meanwhile i'd been doing all the kind of script writing and filming and editing for wendy stuff so phil was like hey i know this guy josh so mm-hmm. at that point phil introduced the two of us and um i had used 99 spokes quite a bit because i'm just i've always been a huge bike nerd and love comparing bikes and seeing you know different in geo and different things and i have a kind of unique taste in geo so like using 99 spokes to compare that so when phil let me know like hey here's this company. I don't know if you've heard of 99 spokes. I was like, dude, I've used their screen recordings like in my YouTube videos. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. they kind of hired me on mostly to start um, a YouTube channel, but then also to take over the social media that they already had, Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, Twitter, um, and run with that. But kind of my background is more on the YouTube and um, video making side of things than it is social media. So I've been kind of building the airplane as it flies in sort of in terms of my social media knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have any like, like schooling for that stuff beforehand or it was kind of like just learning no. because you were interested in it? Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, I have a weird schooling background. I taught high school science for four years. So I have a master's degree in secondary science education. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as a kid, I, I was super into BMX. Um, so like many kids, like, making skate videos and BMX videos. So I made my first video edit on Windows Movie Maker in middle school in like 2008 or something like that. 
and mm -hmm. uh, just kind of kept with it. And whatever once in a while, have kind of some part-time jobs. So I was doing some video work through like Upwork and Fiverr. And then my wife and I moved onto the road um, full time and lived at our van for about two years. And during that time, I kind of did, I was working for a few other YouTube channels, just doing freelance editing for them. Um, so I've been editing videos for, geez, like half my life, but never yeah, any yeah. formal schooling or training. Just started yeah, yeah. as a kid and never really stopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things in life that you can be really good at and not have to go to school for, so... Yeah, um, and you can go to a school for a long time and not use any of it at your work. Which yeah, I'm a yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say I I um I've been in the IT industry for a long time, and um when IT was kind of getting more mainstream, most of the people that would be getting hired for these gigs that were you know a hundred thousand dollars plus, like basically, what they say you know, like, like basically high school though, you know, and it was like, you know, there was no, when I, I remember when I started going to college, there was the only IT degrees that like IT related degrees that you could get would be computer science, which is all program or uh, like a, um, what was it like business, something, something business, I, I but it was also programming, but with like business, like degree. Okay. otherwise there was no such thing as like administration or, or network engineering or anything like that. So, yeah. um, it's, and, and so like, even there's a lot of people like in my, my that are in, in, in their career where I'm at that still are like no degrees, you yeah. know? And, and like today though, it's like, yeah, you have to have this bachelor's and maybe even a, a master's and, uh, all these certs and all this and that. And it's like, wow, or you could just learn it and go do it. Yeah, so, exactly. You know? And I think it's like a very similar thing whenever I got into the YouTube side was like a lot of us, like zero clue how to open up like Adobe Premiere or even, you know, what any of that stuff is. And you kind of learn it on the way. And I, I think that, uh, for some reason, I don't know, schooling definitely like diminishes the fact that, that like generally it, it diminishes that idea that people can actually be just as proficient without it. You know, like, mm -hmm. like back in the day, like, let's just say like Abraham Lincoln, like to be a lawyer, you didn't actually have to go to like law school. Right. You could just like learn a lot and be like, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So exactly. Um, it's like if you could do the work, then sure. So yeah, whether that's yeah. being a lawyer, IT, or yeah. whatever else, it's like, hey, if you can yeah. do the job well, then great. That's what we're looking for. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, so Scott, what was it that made you decide to um push your or market your your website through a social media kind of presence with doing content like YouTube? Yeah, um, it's not something that came naturally to me, <laughs> um, which is, you know, why we didn't, why we waited six and a half years, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, if enough people tell you you should do a thing, you finally start to listen to them. And I think, you know, we knew that we knew that it was a good idea, but it wasn't something that we, you know, Brian and I were wanted to do ourselves. I think we we tried kind of, we dabbled in it. We weren't very good at it. Um, we knew we needed to sort of go all in. And, you know, I, I think just once we had the budget to, to do it, um, then mm -hmm. it was a no brainer. And it, you know, I think, I think we got really lucky with connecting with Josh. I think, you know, trying to figure out, you know, not being the creator, our, you know, not being the creator myself, 
you know, trying to to write up that job description and find that right person would be super difficult. Um, you know, and even now, now knowing what I want and being more opinionated about, you know, what kind of content we need to produce, I think, you know, it was, it was really lucky to connect with Josh. I think Josh having done his own channel and, you know, has this like living resume of, you know, of work, right. That you can mm -hmm. just look at and all I need to see is that, can you do that for us? Yes. Okay, great. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, we just needed the, you know, the resources to pay for it. I think Uh huh. it's been so... pretty interesting though. It, like the, you know, we've been working on, you know, 99 books is global. We have a large amount of traffic, but it's distributed across, you know, the globe and, mm -hmm. you know, we don't, I don't, you know, I live in Bellingham, Washington, so it's super, you know, mountain bike town, right? Everybody rides right. bikes. And, you know, I, when I go out and talk to people, almost no one knows what 99 Spokes is and, you know, really avid cyclists, right? And, but now that we have a YouTube channel, everyone kind of knows what 99 Spokes is. Mm -hmm. Or now that we have a social media presence, it's, it's mm -hmm. done amazing things, you know, just anecdotally at least, for you know raising awareness and what we're doing and um you know within the matter of months right um, right it's pretty impressive so the idea is just to make content just bike related content not necessarily um something to do with with like uh, actually what your website does yeah <laughs> no I, that, like... yeah i think like we don't it's not purely for the sake of clicks or likes or subscribes yeah. subscriptions. Um, I think we try and have, you know, what we're doing tie back in some way to sort of helping you find your next bike or educating you about bikes. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it isn't like, here's how you use the site or here's how to do this feature yeah. or, you know, it's not just like documentation. It's more like entertaining content around, you know, the problem that we're trying to help you solve with the site itself. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely like, uh, in, in my opinion, like a very ingenious way to market what you're doing. You know, it, I don't, it, it's definitely, um, I think it puts you a little bit more on the forefront of the way that, that a lot of companies may not be like necessarily thinking that way, mm -hmm. especially in the bike industry. It seems like the, the social media aspect of, of the bike industry um, companies out there, they're, they're starting to get it, you know, some of them really do and some of them really don't. So it's, it's interesting that you guys made that decision, you know, as a, as a young company to, to go that way and actually make your own content. I mean, you see some other places that are like, one that comes to mind is like, worldwide cyclery like they do a lot of content and it's good content and then therefore it gets people to buy stuff from their site mm -hmm. but it's not like every one of them is like hey buy this here <laughs> you know what i mean so yeah um, so what's the uh what's the goal josh for for the content that you're making i think at the end of the day the goal is to kind of drive people towards the website and kind of like Scott said earlier, just sort of raise awareness for the fact that the website's there. Um, mm -hmm. I touched on a second ago that I'm just, I, I think that the, the problem that the website is solving or the tool that the website offers riders of being able to compare bikes side by side so easily is like 
is so critical. I think so many riders don't do that. They just kind of walk into their local bike shop or see what a buddy has and be like, sure. It's got that cool, like gold fork thing on it. I'll take that one. And, mm -hmm. and have no idea, like, you know, how small, subtle things can like vastly change what a bike is like. And not many people have the opportunity to go and test ride, like, you know, five different bikes side by side. And I think what 99 spokes allows you to do is get essentially as close to that as possible. And even like a, a new tool that they just developed, that's the, um, the, the ride feel calculator that just kind of ranks the bikes and like speaking for mountain biking, like the train that it can handle, you know, from like basically XC to downhill. And then like, um, uh, kind of like your rider position on the bike and just helps kind of line that up and help you see where this bike that you're looking at compares to others on the market. And I think for a lot of riders, that's like challenging to wrap their head around. So going back to what you asked, I think just like kind of for one, directing people back to the website, but then as Scott alluded to kind of helping uh, in that same vein of just educating people about like what bikes are out there, what the differences are between them and then help them make the best decision for what could be the best bike for them. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that is a good, um, it's a good market for, for getting in front of people on YouTube as well. Like people that are doing that kind of like, let's just call it like tutorial base, you know, where it's like, yeah. you know, like, Hey, this is how your stem works or, you know what I mean? Like th this is, is how this bike feels like those, I, I always say reviews get views. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it, it's people that are looking for that type of information. And I think especially like like what Scott was saying earlier with the with the influx of a lot of new riders through through the COVID kind of situation, there's definitely a lot of people that are, are looking for that information. Yeah, and I think so. too, like a big part is like the rise of, I just finished up, I'm wrapping up doing a review on the um, Polygon Colossus N7. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. heard that bike yet. It's a $2,000 enduro ride, bike, pretty good spec for the price. And there's so many like Canyon, YT, um, Polygon, I'm sure I'm thinking of others of like these direct-to-consumer companies that have really blown up over the last five years. Like, I think yeah. that kind of speaks to it too. Like you can't, like you can't, unless you live in San Clemente, you can't just go and try a YT unless you live in, I don't know where Polygon's at. Like, so I think yeah, just yeah. giving riders, helping riders be able to like get as close to seeing this stuff out, um, as close as they can without actually like throwing a leg over the bike and taking it for a ride, I think is helpful. And like you said, I think, yeah, sure. It like, it translates to views on YouTube, but um, for us, the main thing I think is just like creating this tool that helps riders out. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I went and clicked around the site, like you said, Scott, I, I um, had never really heard of you guys until, until I think it was actually one of my, um, one of my listeners that sent me a message. It was like, Hey, check these guys out. And um, when I went to the site, though, it, it just for people that have never been there, you can easily put like five bikes right next to each other. So and five bikes that are like not anything to do with each other. So you could say like this Fazari e-bike and this um, Canyon XC bike and the Santa Cruz Bronson and a tall boy and you put them all in a row and you got the price of them all you got the specs of them all so it's like here's the stems they're all using here's the cassettes they're all using here's the wheel set that they're all using and um instead of having like 16 tabs open yeah. on your on your browser and then trying to like scroll around to the different part of the page and, and be able to make that decision that way like it, it's really clear and concise to just look right at it so you you mentioned that tool that you were talking about showing you kind of 
what the feel of, of the bike is. I think I saw that on there. What, what other tools do you guys have that are other than the comparison there? Uh, yeah, so we have, let's see. So we try and normalize different aspects of the bike in a way that we can, you know, talk about them next, you know, relative to each other. So I think, um, yeah, the ride feel is one and that's using things like, you know, a lot of measure or geometry measures to just sort of mm -hmm. in simple, in the simplest terms possible, you know, is this bike A and bike B, is this one going to be, you know, a, you know, a better rough descender or, or a more of a nimble, you know, climber or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. so the relative differences there are pretty interesting. Um, we also have like a gearing chart. Um, so maybe more interesting in the road um, space, but you know, mm -hmm. if you're looking at say a gravel bike and you know, you've got this like one by 12 versus a two by 12, right? What, and you know, you have really steep hills to climb. You, we give you a visual representation of, you know, how much, e how much lower of a gear does, you know, the two by bike have compared to the mm -hmm. one by and you can even add, add in your own bikes gearing and see i mean really all we're doing is converting that to gear inches and putting them next to each other but it's pretty it can be it's a simple way to see you know the difference there um which can be kind of important um i think the the most popular feature we have is we just call it spec level um and it we basically can represent a bike as the sum of all its parts. So, mm -hmm. you know, we pull out key things like what's the frame material, um, you know, what's the rear derailleur, what are all the components, what component level are there, are they suspension, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, we have assigned values to all those uh, pieces. And then when you sum them up and then you can put them in a scatter plot and you can see, you know, with price as your x-axis. And so, you see this scatter plot with the bike you're looking at highlighted. And then if you think, if you see a bike to the left and up, then that means it's a bike that costs less money and has a nicer build or has nicer mm -hmm. parts. Right. And so when you're so just in that, like kind of point you in a direction that you may not even be thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people just, it's like an ex exploration feature kind of, Yeah, um, yeah. you know, these are the three bikes I'm looking at. I'm looking at the spec level chart now and seeing, you know, you know, what are the better value bikes out there? And, you know, it's not, you know, we have some, you know, there's some subjective opinions and, you know, is how, how much better is carbon than aluminum than steel or, you know, whatever, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's, you know, it's, it's an algorithm that we've refined over the years and have had lots of input and, you know, it's by no means the sole decider that you should use for buying your next bike yeah, it can yeah. be helpful to highlight some things that you may not have considered. So that's mean, actually got, the, at the end, of, end of the day, you have a lot of really good data then. I mean, I would imagine that you could probably say like, I know what brands come up on that, like best price per build kind of the most, right? Mm -hmm. Is it like yeah. in certain years though? It's like, oh yeah, well, it's going to be specialized if you're in the like five to 8,000 or it's, but it's going to be Polygon if you're in the two to three or, you, you know, it, is it something like that? Or is it actually like uh, just kind of scattered a little more? Yeah. I mean, the usual suspects are, are usually there, um, but which you can probably guess, but there are definitely interesting holes in different brands lineup or these outliers, like, you know, Specialized may have this super competitive price, you know, status or something like that. Like yeah. there's, it can, 
things pop out like that that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, especially with like some some interesting prices around, you know, e-mountain bikes where, you know, you're like, you're kind of thinking these guys aren't making any money off of this bike. They're just trying to get into this space right now because you can, yeah. you can do sort of an apples to apples there. Um, Are you guys the, crawling the sites like for the data or is it like how? how yeah, how it's that pretty, it's not super sexy, but um, <laughs> we have, we've, we've just, well, in the early days, we, you know, the plan was we're going to use, I don't know if you're familiar with the Wayback Machine, but it's like an online mm -hmm. archive of all the, yeah, yeah. That was the early, the early plan was like, we're going to go back, you know, 10, 15 years and get all this bike data. And that quickly didn't work because <laughs> it, it's, it's not what it, well, especially when you're talking about a site as big as a bike, you know, product site, right? Like it doesn't, oh. it doesn't capture all those pages. Um, so yes, we, we scrape what is publicly available. Um, we, you know, when we first started, we were able to capture any archive pages that a, that a brand had, but most of them didn't have that. So, you know, starting in 2016, we had the 2016 bikes and then in 2017, we had the 20, you know, now we have two years yeah. of bikes and, um, and then like a, a few years in, we went to, to Eurobike and sort of widened our perspective on what's out there. And so then we started really focusing on, you know, an international focus. And so over the years, our, our coverage has improved, but we do have a data pipeline that we run at least once a week that goes and scrapes all the brand sites. Um, so how, how far back is your historical data then? So from like 2016 or yeah, do you have that older than that or? 2016 solid North American coverage. Um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, the, the European expansion is sort of what took a few years. Um, mm -hmm. And then any site that had an archive, we, we have those bikes as well, but you know, those don't go back any really further than 2010 or so. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I was even going to say 2016 is probably even at that point, a lot of bikes, they would take down last year's model and they didn't leave you with anything. For sure. After yeah. I mean, so it was like, yeah. I remember That's buying a bike in like 2006 and it's like, dude, save everything. Yeah, because yeah. if you want to look up what bottom bracket you have later, you're screwed. <laughs> unless, yeah. you, unless you call them and, you know, I don't know, like uh, uh, some of those bike places were good that way. Like I remember back in the day I had a Cannondale and you could call them and be like, you know, what size is this? And they'd tell you, but I, I don't know. I would imagine it that you, if I called Santa Cruz like that, they'd probably be like, uh, dude, look online or something i don't know <laughs> yeah they might be one of the better ones but yes most of them are we, we have actually found that you know we've made sense made connections directly with brands and it would yeah it seemed reasonable to think that we would start sourcing this data directly but yeah we found that the bike industry is not great at managing its own data and yeah. the, the actual consumer facing site is the best like most up-to-date you know resource of what's available and you know it's the thing that the people see and then they report the issues and the people fix right whereas yeah the spreadsheet that's on somebody's laptop is is not so yeah my assumption would be that, like a lot of companies in today's day and age that um they were not technology companies first yeah. and and now that technology has become as prevalent as as it is that they're having to learn how to be but um I mean, even the company I work for, we have software engineers and a lot of them, and uh, they don't really know how to be a software engineer company. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. and and like you go somewhere like Google, they got it like dialed, right? You know, they they know how to deal with permissions and whatever, you know, and, and uh, you you get to other companies and it's like no. So in the bike industry, I can one hundred percent see it's like we're making bikes, man. We're we hired somebody to make our website and that's Joe, you know, and, and yeah. Joe does the, the things on the website. And if you ask us anything about it, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. The transition is in, you know, in Bellingham and, you know, I know one of the, the founders, Kevin there, and he, when we were first starting this thing, I met with him and kind of shared what we were doing. And, and he, he's like, Oh yeah, me and Kyle, we, that's how we started. You know, they were working at T-Mobile or something and they started building up. I can't remember what the name was, but it was, you could actually find it in the Wayback Machine, but it was, it was a bike, online bike archive with scraped bike data. And that's, that's how mm-hmm. they, and then they of course transitioned to something bigger and better, but um, right. we all know and love, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what are you doing, we, now, Scott? What's that? When are you doing that? When are we making Yeah, when bikes? are we a bike brand? No. Uh, <laughs> we have dabbled in physical goods as far as like socks and t-shirts. And I I am I confirm that like I, I'm allergic to them. I don't want to touch physical goods. <laughs> very complicated. <laughs> I think we shipped a what it was, we shipped a shirt to someone in Canada, which is like 20 minutes from my house, and it costs like 30 bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you get into the international stuff and you never know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know when I first started selling merch, and merch I, I had to like limit it to just U.S. because yeah. it was situations like that where it was like, yeah, the shirt's $20 and the shipping's 75 And <laughs> exactly. you know, it's like, okay, yeah. well, that's not going to make much sense. So, totally. yeah. So, Josh, when you're creating content, do you have like pretty much like they're, they're just giving you like, a free reign or kind of what, what's the what's the direction like yeah yeah relatively um which has been nice because i'll say that it's a lot of companies i've worked for have been much more hands-on which you know has its pros and cons but sometimes it feels like you know you're making content that's designed by committee and uh mm-hmm. just ends up weird um so the way it usually works is all kind of like collectively, the three of us will come up with the list of we, we upload weekly. So the list of what long form videos we want to do um, and then I'll outline those, send it over to them to kind of give it the OK, make sure it looks good and then um, work on scripting, filming, editing, all that sort of jazz and then give it back at the end. And for the most part, <laughs> um, they're they're kind of just looking for errors like they I would say Scott and Brian have been very uh just kind of hands off stylistically in terms of how I do mm-hmm. it. We have conversations about how we want things to look and sound best. But um, for the most part, I've, they've just kind of been like, Hey, you're kind of, we hired you because it seems like, you know what you're doing, keep mm-hmm. doing it. Um, so that's been nice. I think that's helped streamline things and, and that has helped it to grow relatively fast. I mean, I we're at over 2000 subscribers on YouTube in two months. So mm-hmm. a big part of that is just the name recognition that 99 spokes already has. But I think part of it too, is just that we're working well as a team and um, mm-hmm. that's going well. Yeah. 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 I mean, obviously you guys are, are putting out refined content as well. I mean, look, just looking at thumbnails alone, it, it's, obvi- it's obviously not, um, it's clear to me that there's more direction than somebody that's just starting at 2000 subscribers because typically 
you don't think you don't normally see a channel that has that smaller number of subscribers with the content that looks as clean as what you guys are putting out so i mean obviously you're going to continue to grow um it it's 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 apparent that you guys are, are doing a good job in the amount of time that you are to, to hit that many subscribers already so and that stuff just steamrolls as it goes as well so yeah um yeah so i would imagine scott with the connection that you guys have to other industry companies as it is right now that you guys are able to get like demo bikes and stuff like that for Josh to be able to work on pretty easily or what's the, do you have some kind of. It's, uh, it's not as easy as I, you know, we have a, a surplus of thousand dollar e-bikes from China at our disposal. Yeah. If that's um, that's weird. I, I can't get Josh <laughs> excited about them yet. Yeah. I mean, I think some hey, of them I have, have like six thousand dollar Canadian e-bike in my garage right now to test, so I'm kind of excited about that one. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's good. Uh, no, I I think um, one of the reasons for well, just better branding and you know getting our our name out there is because you know while we might we might be well, we need the brands to think of us as you know an influencer in the space and helping you find your new bike or your next mm -hmm. bike. And I don't think we're currently there yet. I think, you know, we have strong connections with brands and the product managers that are making decisions about, you know, next year's lineup because they're very interested in using this data to help them do that. Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily, you know, these companies are usually big enough to where they're not, you know, tightly connected to the marketing folks who are, mm -hmm going to be deciding where the sample bikes go. So I think we're making progress there for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and it's been, you know, a couple months, right? So we're making, we're making really good progress there. But I'd say historically, you know, we're not, they're not chomping at the bit to give us a bike to test yeah, yeah. right now. Um, yeah. So. And thankfully, like I've, you know, with the stuff that I already done, like have relationships with Polygon and Marin and RSD and Stanton. So we've been able to kind of like pull that in too. Um, but now mm -hmm. we're, cause it's been mostly like Canyon coming in from the 99 spokes end and then Marin and Polygon from my end. So we're kind of trying to do that balancing act of like, we don't want like every video to be either like a Polygon or a Canyon, but also right. they're like, Oh, here, take a bike, try it out. Tell us what you think, make a video. So kind of trying to balance that of making sure we are, are a huge priority for us is that we're unbiased and we're giving unbiased, advice to people who are looking at different bikes but if we're only partnering with one or two brands that can get complicated so hopefully mm -hmm. that'll continue to expand and grow and i think we're all confident that it will mm -hmm. so is your idea to do a lot of reviews like you're going to go out and ride the bike and kind of give a review of it or what's the what's the what are you thinking yeah i think you know i think that's going to be uh that's a whole lot more helpful than like me sitting here and like walking you through what these geometry numbers mean and like okay i've ridden this you know drivetrain on a different bike and i can tell you about that um i think that's helpful for sure and we i think we'll definitely plan on continuing doing those you know kind of top five type videos like we just did a top five endurance road bikes where we kind of pick five different categories um within that endurance road bike niche and select kind of a high performing kind of a, a best bike for each of those categories and i think that's mm -hmm. helpful but I think being able to hear from someone who's actually gotten on the bike and, you know, 
logged 100 miles on it and can say, hey, this is what this bike does well. This is what this bike doesn't do well. I know the geometry table looks like this, but to be honest, it still felt like this to me. I think that sort mm -hmm. of information is useful to everybody, even people, you know, maybe like the three of us who are pretty comfortable scanning through a part spec list yeah. in a geometry table. Because, um, you know, lots of times a bike will have attributes that, you know, go beyond that or maybe don't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm riding a Fazari right now that I on paper didn't think I was going to like at all. Yeah. And, and it really blew me away when I wrote it. And I, I've definitely had more than that experience. I, I remember back when the SB5 from Yeti came out, I wanted one so bad. It just looked so sick. And like, I rented one and rode it. And I got off the bike that day and was like, this, I'm not, I'm definitely not buying this bike. I'm glad I didn't <laughs> just buy it sight unseen. <laughs> yeah. And I, and like probably a week before that, I was like almost ready to drive to Oregon to get one because they didn't have any sales tax. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It was like, it was like, dude, that would have sucked to go, you know, do a, a 16 hour round trip to go buy a bike in Portland and, and uh, find out that I didn't like it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no. So it, it's definitely, um, there's definitely a market for, for that content. I mean, there's channels that plenty of channels that have done, you know, very well on that. So I think that, um, and it won't go away because everybody's always looking for something new. Like, like if you yeah. started a trail building channel two years ago during COVID, you'd be killing it at that time. But it seems like the trail build videos aren't as popular right now. Yeah. And, um, but but there's 100% people are still going to be looking up new bikes that are coming out to find out, you know, if it fits for them. Are you doing all the editing and 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 um, film work and starring in it all all yourself right now? Yep. One man show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. There's a lot to do there. A lot of a yeah. lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of things going on there. So. Yeah, especially when the video he does is like compare these four Shimano groups that are, you know, drivetrains yeah. and, you know, that video yeah. requires <laughs> yeah. swapping all those like parts out. an hour video, an yeah, hour production yeah. time. So yeah, just, good thing you're doing incredible. one a week and not trying to do more than that. Yeah. Otherwise you might work Josh out of his brain. <laughs> I think, I think in a, in a perfect world, we would have, you know, our choice between, you know, all the pre-embargo new release, bikes you know that we could get our hand you know that we could fit into the schedule right i think mm -hmm. yeah when the bike launches people want to get a high or at least i do i want to get a high level view of what what's what's this new model about what's this how has this platform changed um yeah. and i think if we you know could have had our hands on the bike even if it's briefly you know just with a little video review and here's the bikes on nine and spokes and Oh, I can compare the geo and see how, you know, the change. I was like another feature that is in the site that's very popular that was one of our first features is the geometry drawing. So we'll take the geometry. We'll draw. You can you can overlay them and you can really understand, you know, oh, this, you know, does this is it how does it compare to the bike that I know how it feels? You know, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. that C2 angle is way steeper. That's something I should know. Right. Um, yeah. And give you a more something more to hold on to when you're trying to understand what the geo changes are but anyway we'd yeah. love to have more new releases where we've actually physically touched the bikes i can tell you yeah that. i like the idea of that other tool though you're talking about because you could easily see like oh the bottom bracket's lower or the reach is much mm -hmm. longer or you know things of that nature yeah. and 
really kind of give you that even from like a perspective of like a youtuber so i don't know since you guys are listening like i would that's what i was saying when i before i worked for nine spokes i would use that tool and use screen recording and screenshots of it because it's so it's so helpful to be able to visualize that like if you're not spending a lot of time geeking out on that to see like oh that's that's what this difference in like seat tube angle does and oh i can see how like it's going to be more compact when i'm sitting down and pedaling and to be able to see how this bike will feel different than that bike like to me that's you know it's one of the older tools on the website but i still think it's one of the most insightful um especially when you're talking with someone who doesn't like have a firm grasp on geometry just yet on bicycle geometry yet yeah i mean i think a lot of people don't even though they've been riding for a long time you know, a lot of really talented riders. I just made a little short form video about that today. You know, so many people like great on a bike and they can ride any bike, which is awesome, but they couldn't really pinpoint the differences and what makes a bike feel good to them versus not good to them. And that's okay. Yeah, I no, think, I, and that's I, why like the website is fantastic. It helps people navigate that process and be able to find that bike without riding 15 of them. Yeah. And for you to be able to articulate that is also, you know, it, it, it's something that's, that's um i just say like special because honestly i'm one of those people that i mean i have to, i have to really put myself through an extreme to notice the difference so it's like like some people are like oh do you like these brakes and i'm like well i have to ride these brakes for like three weeks and yeah. then get on my other bike with the with the different brakes on it or switch <laughs> them on to this brake. like and then i'll know in like the first like 10 seconds you know like oh okay yeah. now that's what's different but otherwise if, if I was just to like, hey, one ride here and then swap and then go back and do another ride, there's no way. I'm just not going to yeah. do it. I, I just won't notice it. And I think some of it is like things that I just take for granted or I, I because I've been riding for so long, I don't even think about, you know, yeah. but, but um, you know, and some of it, your, your mind just make like fixes right away for you. So sure. if you're not even trying. So like I went on a ride over the weekend and I was riding somebody's e-bike and first first corner like 30 yards into the the trail i knew those brakes really sucked compared to mine you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. like because i yanked them and they weren't stopping me in the in the space that my (laughs) brain was was thinking they were going to but five minutes from then i had no problem you know what i mean it was like i just had that experience like literally brakes with that same n7 which is 170 millimeter enduro bike with dual piston brakes in the back it's i don't know made that decision but i like got on and i was like holy crap these brakes are terrifying but then i got used to them and i adjusted to them and then i got back on my bike a couple days ago and like almost went over the bars because i was just like (laughs) you like adjust and you have to go back and like ah (laughs) yeah 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 it's interesting so i mean then then being able to articulate that you know that that's that's um that's a special talent. It's definitely one of the reasons that I shy away from doing that type of review on, <laughs> on things just because I, I, I don't notice it. I mean, it even comes down to like people that can explain a skill really well. Like I've watched a bunch of videos on, on, um, like how to do a drop, you know? And as I'm watching, I'm like, that is what I'm doing. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, but there is zero thought of me being like, oh yeah, I drop my heels like this and I push the for the handlebars like this. And, and I, and I do this with my weight right before, you know, like none of that I think about, you know? So it's yeah. like, it, yeah, I'm the worst bike coach when it comes, I'm like, <laughs> okay, so just drop down and it'll, it'll, it'll be fast. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just send it. So yeah. Um, so that's, that's awesome that, that you have that, that skill set.
Um, yeah, what, I love teaching. I mean, I, I taught high school for four years, so I, yeah. I really enjoy like being able to take an abstract or complex idea and breaking it down. And it's sort of a like, you know, I was um, eh, it's a funny trail. I won't go on it. But just, yeah, I, I, I think that's yeah, it's cool to combine those two things. I was thinking the same thing when you told me your experience as as a high school science teacher. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the first thought that popped in my head is like, oh, well, he's teaching people on YouTube. It's the same thing. Yeah. You yeah. know, like it, and so you, you've had a lot of experience on it then. And um, and although your class isn't isn't the size of the world like it is on YouTube, but you, you're still the same thing of being in front of people and and having to like overcome the people that didn't understand what you were saying or like they're teaching you at the same time of like, yeah. oh, you didn't explain that very well. So mm -hmm. you need to re redo this. So at this point, you have a pretty refined skill set. So getting into the YouTube space, it makes sense why why you're why you're doing well. <clears throat> so Scott, I would imagine that most people are like, oh, so you compare bikes and it's just a couple of parts. Like, why would you possibly need like four or five developers to continue working on things? <laughs> Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, why? The data is a beast. Um, you know, we have, we scrape hundreds of sites and it's like, if you're into coding, it's like coding against the, the world's worst unsupported API. Like, because when the website changes, you know, the scrapers break. We have, you know, we have custom code targeting every single site that we scrape and you know, there, yes, there are machine learning or AI approaches to solving this problem, but you, you can't really get around the sometimes it lies problem. Um, and so we found a more, well, not yet at least, um, so we found a more manual, you know, brute force approach to be more successful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it does take two developer or at least one developer full time to just keep this thing up and keep the data current. Um, and the only way we're really able to, you know, justify that investment is because we have, you know, partnerships in the bike industry that are paying directly for that data. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we have an API that they use to access the data and we have, not everyone has developers. So we have, like an Excel spreadsheet that we can give them that's backed by an API so they can refresh it and get, you know, have access to the data whenever they need it. Um, so and then for I think that aren't in, in yeah. tech, can you explain what an API is for people? Well, I'm going to have Josh do that because I am also, no, I'm not just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I am also definitely uh, like I used to manage developers or software developers at my last job. And that's like my, the biggest, you know, strike against me is like, does not coach, like has no coaching yeah. capabilities. Like <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm definitely like, I don't know. You just do the thing. Like just, yeah. you know, just. I was yeah. speaking your language a minute ago. You were like, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, oh, sorry. What was the question? What's an API? What, what's is an that, API? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. So it's a, just a way for a computer to access the data. So, you know, you're writing, here's an example. We have, um, we have, we not only we partner with directly with bike brands, we also partner with people building, you know, like a cycle computer app, right? That you have the app and you want to find, you know, your bike um, to, to get it set up. So it knows the wheel size and all that. 
And so you just start typing in, you know, specialize and it's like suggesting these, you know, bike models for you as you type. What's happening behind the scenes there is it's talking to our API, our, you know, application programmer interface or something like that. Um, so it's it's a service that's running on another, you know, a computer in the cloud and, you know, you can query it for information. Um, and so the API is used to support, you know, refreshing the Excel sheet or, you know, dumping data into their business intelligence platform that they use or just anyone that needs access to the, to the data. And then that's, it's like a, scum, a common like like a rule set of how things work so that you know, hey, this is an API. I can write my code to work this way with that yep. API. Yep. As compared yeah, we have to, a... um, I'm just trying to fill in the blanks too for a little bit of like, as compared to like when you're scraping a site, it's not like your, your computer just goes to the website and just reads all the text. It's, right. it's looking at the code, right? So go ahead. Yeah, with the scraping the site, we're, well, sometimes I don't want to go to four people, but sometimes there are, you know, API calls behind, you know, that happen when the page loads and sometimes we can directly access those and those are great. But other, other times, all we really have is the text that's on the page and the markup that, you know, lays it out. And so, yeah. you know, we're doing things like, you know, find, you know, the button that has the text bikes in it and then go up a level and then find the list of items beneath that. And then that's the specs, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it can be tedious. We have a, thankfully, I don't have to do most of that anymore. We have a, a full-time developer in Ukraine who she, she handles most of this. Um, I was worked at a company for years and was able to find the very best yeah. you know, contract workers and poached her quickly after we started 99 spokes yeah. and she's been working for us um, when she's not dealing with what's happening over there. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So then do you have some um, like as far as like your your web servers and stuff like that? Are they hosted all over the place or are you kind of just small enough that you can still just do do one you don't have to do like load balancing all over the place yeah we, we use we use versal so it's a cloud deployment environment um and it you know it handles it, it's a nice abstraction on top of deploying a website so mm -hmm. you know it's there are many many servers running our code all over the world you know giving you quick access to it um and it is largely you know, hidden from us as far as, you know, we just click this deploy button. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. but it's, it is far from the days of, you know, a physical server running in a basement that you have to go manage or, you know, right. you know, deployment's not a problem. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm, I, uh, I, I definitely have a, a good understanding of what, what you're talking about. I think that, um, but it helps for other people that, that don't necessarily, aren't in the IT space to kind of get an idea of like how complicated these things are, because mm -hmm. I think, that right most, yeah, I think most people that, um, they go to a website and they just think that, you know, there's just a computer and it just does these things that, you know what I mean? It's, it's very, yeah. uh, it's very easy to simplify. So yeah. at least to the, the person that's on the, the end user side. So, yeah. And then I think the, uh, you know, in that vein, you know, one of the most 
more powerful pieces of what we do is you know we understand all the parts on the bike all the, you know the wheel size the suspension travel the price the you know all that stuff so we have a powerful search interface so you can go and you know i think that's part of the magic of 99 spokes you can go in and you know say i'm looking for an e-mountain bike that's within this price range with this suspension travel with that you know has 29 inch wheels and you know whatever you can just you can curate a a query like that using our filtering UI really easily. And, mm-hmm. and that all that is happening because we have all of our data in Elasticsearch, which if someone's into it, that that's the technology we use for searching and yeah. the data. Have you guys thought about like building or do you have something for like building custom where you could actually piece your own bike together? Um, yeah, it's something we talk about a lot um, and have for a long time. Um, it's I think it's when you start taking community data and figuring out how to integrate that into your platform, I think it, you know, brings a lot of overhead, like in, you know, who gets to see it and is it a dupe of a bike that already exists or is this not even really a bike that anyone had access to or, you know, managing the user submitted submissions is, is not without its challenges. And so I think that's why. Yeah, I was thinking almost in a a way of like being able to like price it. So it'd be like, oh, I could buy the Santa Cruz Bronson frame and these carbon, you know, one up bars and I could build this spec and then know generally like that's what it's going to cost me. Like, yeah, I might be able to find some better deals, but um, yeah, yeah, there's a like that or there's a PC parts picker, which is like what you're describing for building a computer. Um, mm-hmm. I think the problem there is that we don't have all the individual components priced out and you know and you know available to select. I think that's yet at least. So we would have yeah. to really understand. You know, I think there's a couple. It's an interesting. I. It's 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 definitely it's what we were thinking about earlier when we were going to be you know just replacement parts. Like you really need mm-hmm. to understand you know, all the bikes and then all the components and then a compatibility graph for what goes with what. And we just don't have all the components part. You know, we do have some of the key components like forks and, you know, drivetrains and stuff like that, because that helps contribute a spec level score. Um, But, you know, when you start getting into like one of the thousands of carbon bars that are out there and, you know, it it just gets a little, it's, it's an overwhelming amount of of data. Um, but yeah. there are people are definitely tackling this problem. Still, there's a couple new projects out there, like they're going after the compatibility problem. But um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Hmm. I think you, I think what, one of what, the, the one of the main so geometry, some people are obsessed with geometry, a lot of the people that are obsessed with geometry often have these sort of fringe bikes they like, like they're into crust bikes or they're especially in like the grab road gravel space you know they have these custom brands and i think you know there are sites like geometry geeks that allow you to you know submit bikes and their geometry and those you know that's something i think that's probably a way we'll sort of dip our toes in into that um Mm -hmm. you know without without the without the bike parts problem just more frame geometry yeah yeah i think you could probably hit most of the stuff with like the major parts that are being used you, you know what yeah. i mean I, I like in if i'm thinking about like mountain bikes for example if i was coming to build and you had 
you know, five handlebars that were all the, yeah. you know, like the Santa Cruz bars, the one up bars, the PNW bars, you know, like, yeah, I, I could think of probably, you know, 10 at the most. And if the, if I had more options than that to choose from, it would be probably like too many, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And, and maybe then I could just like pick something that I knew was close to like price wise and at least give me a good idea of, of, uh, kind of, where where i was at or what sure. but so um what kind of, of feature i mean I, I don't know if you want to talk about things that you don't haven't released yet but how how are you prioritizing like what features to to bring to the site um yeah we have like i think our number one priority is kind of serving the data customers that we already have and that takes that sucks up quite a bit of time um i think we have we have plans to improve the comparison table. I mean, it's more more than half of our traffic is on mobile and it's not a very good experience on a phone if you have more than a couple bikes. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, and there's a bunch of things that that's like one of the original things that we implemented and it, it, it's pretty crusty and there's a bunch of improvements we want to make to that thing. Um, beyond that, you know, I think we have we don't have a strong methodology for how we prioritize things. I think, you know, we we have some ideas of some big areas that we'd like to, bigger areas, different areas that we'd like to go into. I mean, we've kicked around Marketplace because that's, you know, selling your bike online is, it's, we're a perfect platform to hang that data on. on. Mm -hmm. And um, we've kicked around going into different verticals. So, you know, doing the same thing for, doing the same thing for skis and snowboards, for example. Mm -hmm. um, there is still a long list of improvements that we'd like to make to the bike or to the site as it is today that probably don't seem like huge effort, but are, will take time. So mm -hmm. I don't know. We have to get over the comparison table refactor and then we'll see. <laughs> so you do have like actual reviews though from from people that own the bikes as well on the site, correct? Yeah, we did the, you, we call them rider notes. Um, mm -hmm. We have a few different types. So you can, you can provide like tire clearance is big in the gravel space, you know, and, you know, brands measure tires differently and manufacturers sometimes are a little conservative with what can actually fit. And so our mm -hmm. thinking there is like, well, we just want to do these sort of like micro reviews. Like here's a recipe of a, of a, you know, I have a specialized diverge and I know I can fit this 38 C tire on and here's a picture of it and you know, just mm -hmm. these kind of recipes. And so that's sort of where we we're going with, you know, fit and tire clearance. And we even have just like a generic review type. Um, the, those are trickling in. It's again, I think more community features like that is something we want to do in the future. Um, mm -hmm. I think, if users can correct me, you know, make corrections to the data, we head more towards like a, like a wiki-ish thing with, you know, some mm -hmm. guardrails. I think that that could be pretty powerful. Um, just yeah. a more scalable solution for managing the data. I think um, I'm just looking at, at it right now under sizing, for example, like yeah. there's a rider fit note there and it says, you know, six one size large, just right. And I think in my head, a lot of times I'll ask people you know, like, what their inseam is too. Yeah. 
because then it's like you actually get a better idea like oh are they like tall in the body or are they tall in the legs like yeah. where you know it's, it's it's so much with bikes is so subjective though where it's yeah. like it, you don't know when you read that you know is that actual like is that actually some data that i should trust you know yeah. like like i'm yeah, six two and i ride a large because i like a smaller bike mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah if I'm not actually thinking about explaining that to somebody and they just ask me what size, I'm like, yeah, ride a large. And they're, then they're like, oh, that's what I should be on. I'm like, well, yeah. most people would ride an extra large if they were my height, you know? Yeah, I definitely think it's, you know, a, it's data that's more useful with more submit, you know, in aggregate and with more submissions, mm -hmm. right? Like I think you can, you can filter out the out if you have enough people contributing it you can filter out the outliers a little bit more effectively um mm -hmm. but yeah inseam is a good we wanted to make it really easy for people to add them and i think a lot of people don't know they're inseam or they don't or they might just give you yeah. their pants you know the jeans they're wearing or whatever um yeah yeah but it could be optional it's good yeah yeah it could be helpful yeah or it could be like the other i don't know i'm just like my brain just starts thinking what would i do and it's like if i'm looking at this bike can you get a, a ride wrap for it, you know, or something like that, you know, those kind of just like little, little features, but so what's we the, the, we do have an integration with ride wrap. I don't know if you go to a bike page, you'll see uh -huh. in the upgrades, you'll see a, if it has a, like a tailored kit, we, oh, we, cool. we know their data, we, we match their, you know, tailored kits to our bikes. And then, and then uh, we can send you straight there if we have one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right then. I mean, that's a, so obviously you're thinking on the same same wavelength that I am. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is like my guys. job, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the ride wrap one is great. I think it's it's a uh, it's a good like very custom, very like specific to the bike um, thing to help people find. Yeah, and it's one of those things as well that you know. I don't know if it would completely sway me on one bike or another, but it's definitely something that I would consider if I was like in between two bikes and then one of them didn't have a full kit and it'd be like, because mm. I used to be one of those guys that was like, whatever, dude, it's a mountain bike. And you just like, it's going to get scratched up and beat up. And, but I think that was whenever I was a guy that would ride a bike until like it fell apart. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a guy that's like, you know, two seasons. I'm like, I got to mm -hmm. get rid of it before it mm -hmm. doesn't, isn't worth anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And your paint mm -hmm. looking decent nowadays is like, it's definitely going to help you a lot more in that aspect. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've yeah. put, I put three kits on now and I'm, I don't know that I'm getting any faster, but I do like them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have not put one on yet. I pay my buddy. That's a painter. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I hope you pay him I, well. It's, oh, it's yeah. involved. It, it is definitely one of those things where I it's I know my own skill set and it that falls outside of it. It's yeah. like it's too tedious for me where I'm just yeah. like, well, the more beer I drink, the worse I'm gonna get at this, and the more likely that I get to crumbling it all up in a ball and starting over, which yeah. is like yeah. another 150 bucks or whatever. Yeah. Well, I their instructions actually warn you not to drink too much beer, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, good thing I don't read instructions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. The person that, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the other, like, painful thing about Red Wrap is that it's better to do it right when you 
first get the bike but if your yeah. bike arrives before your kit does you know then you you want to ride it and you don't want to yeah. wait for the big sticker so yeah 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 that was one of the hard things for me whenever i got this last frame was like okay wait for the ride wrap to come because it just ob obviously you know that's murphy's law right it didn't come before the bike and then yep. then wait for you know do not go ride it and it's like oh, i want to build it so bad but my buddy can't put this <laughs> thing on you know so yeah it's definitely be best to wait so yeah but at the end of the day it is what it is right yep. so josh do you just um i mean is is your main focus just um reviews that's that's like 100 percent where you're thinking or do you think that there's some other kind of story aspects that you can tell that would also help with the with the um kind of driving people to the site i think largely reviews um reviews and like maybe the occasional tutorial but those would again be focused like around buying new bikes um crafts mm -hmm. 99 spoke is all about we're not necessarily trying to teach people how to go out there and like corner better or even necessarily how to work on their bikes um you know the purpose of the website is to inform buyers about the vast variety of bikes that are available to them so that's kind of like the uh, the litmus test, I guess I would say that like when mm -hmm. we're talking about video ideas that we try to put it past, um, you know, Brian alluded to like the drivetrain video we did. Uh, we partnered with Jensen for that. We compared um, Dior uh, all the way up through XTR and did like a side-by-side -side comparison of them kind of through the framework of if you're on the market for a new bike and you're looking at, okay, like, do I want to fork out the extra to go from SLX to XT? Is it worth it? We're, we're kind of trying to like frame everything around that, like buying a new bike sort of a lens. So we're not necessarily mm -hmm. going to go out and compare like, you know, which like aftermarket handlebars are the best or something like that. Cause it doesn't really um, speak to what we're trying to accomplish as a right. brand. That said, I think the, uh, the story stuff is super critical. I don't know. Are you familiar with um, the YouTuber Fort nine? He does motorcycle stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I just found him like a, a week or two ago. I'm not super into motorcycles, but uh, like the way that guy like weaves the story through a product review. Yeah. I, I like started watching his stuff. I don't, you know, again, mild interest in motorcycles, but like an hour later, I was like, let's watch like six of this guy's videos. Like I want to. Yeah. So I, I hope to be able to improve on that just in my own, like kind of storytelling ability and, the, and to be able to do that with a review or a product comparison. Um, yeah. So most reviews, yeah. but even like next week, we're going to do a, a video on like e-bike terminology, right? So educational, but in the context of helping you and helping inform you with a purchasing bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would that would be very helpful content, I'm sure. I think there's probably a, um, some space to tell some other kind of stories like, you know, yeah. these are what are what, you know, if you're looking to buy and you go to a event like sea otter or you know whatever the outer bike or something of that yeah. nature like these are what you what you should it can expect or like this is how to make yeah. the best out of your time or something like that but uh we talked about that early on because I'm, I'm big into that i go to sea otter every year i just uh actually I didn't end up going but i was planning on going to the um i think they called it um I'm trying to remember if it was built or the handmade bicycle show that was out in portland about a month or two ago so we kind of talked about doing that of like doing the trade show thing. And um, at this point, you know, kind of Brian and Scott are kind of like, no, we want to focus kind of hone in on just like what matches our website right now. And I think with yeah. me, you know, I'm 
you mentioned earlier, like I'm writing scripts, I'm filming them, I'm editing them as well as managing all four or five of our social media platforms. That's uh, it's a lot. So it's spread a little thin, you know, which, yeah. which prevents yeah. like being able to go super deep down like the creative rabbit hole. But yeah, um, you know, I, in an ideal world, we'd have someone else manage social media and I could just do videos or something like that. But right now it's kind of yeah. 13 hats switching between. <laughs> yeah. As expected, you know, yeah. as things grow, totally. things will change. I would imagine you guys are still going to monetize the site. So the site would eventually be able to probably help um, pay for more help on the video production side, I would imagine. Are you thinking? Like as far as monetizing the YouTube channel. Yeah. 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 Totally. And I think, you know, a big thing, like I, I have my blind spots as a reviewer for sure. Um, I'm a mountain biker and a BMX rider. So Scott, if you were yeah, going to do a BMX review, let's do it. But uh, um, so, you know, like getting on a road bike, like that's, that's, I'm doing my best to, to learn as much as I can. And even before I started doing, like I did a review of the Endurace, I rented a couple of bikes locally. So I could have more of a base to compare them from, but we've already started shooting around the idea of like, you know, finding um, someone who already has some experience in the video world, like basically finding a small YouTuber who's doing some road bike stuff and being like, Hey, want to do like one video a month for us on our channel yeah. and we can get you a bike that you can spend some time on. And um, I think that'd be a, a cool way to expand, but yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you that question uh, as we were chatting, I was thinking, you know, how do you become an expert in all these different, like I ride a gravel bike, but I am definitely not a gravel biker. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like same thing goes with road or, you know, I, I have ridden enough that I have some small opinions, but they're definitely not, like if I was talking to somebody that was a full on road biker, like they would be very apparent to them real quick that I'm not a yeah. road biker. You, you know what I mean? So if yeah, I was yeah. reviewing it, they'd be like, yeah, this guy is like, he's a joke, you know? So, yeah. Um, I, so it sounds like then probably your content is leaning more towards like the, the mountain bike side at this point. Um, I would say that we are doing our best to, avoid doing that too much you know like yeah. we, we want to be well-rounded in all uh, all verses of cycling so even like commuter bikes you know so mm -hmm. everywhere from a 300 three-speed commuter to a you know twelve thousand dollar mountain bike um and yeah i have these areas that i that are much more comfortable for me so like you know did a review on the new 29 inch marine san quentin well i've ridden every single Marin San Quentin that they've made since they introduced that bike. So really easy for me to talk about it and dive really deep into the nuances between how this 29 inch model is different than the 27.5 inch model that they launched in January. But when I'm talking about the Endurace, obviously my review is going to be a little bit more surface level and, yeah. you know, do my best to um, get on a lot of bikes and ride as many as I can. Um, but well, it sounds like you have a bunch of riders there that are that are the other people within 99 spokes is that yes because scott you were saying you, you guys were riders when you when you first started yeah um we haven't gotten in front of the camera yet but uh it is technically possible but i mean <laughs> i wasn't happen. even thinking in that aspect at least the aspect of that he could could like knowledge fish from you guys or oh, like, for sure have yeah. you guys be able to you know hey watch this video from your aspect and like yeah. does this make sense or where should you where where could you help me out because um 
I know like creatively that's, that's a challenge for me is like, fortunately I have a, another group of creators that I'm friends with that I can bounce things off of. But sometimes it's like you get stuck in your own edit and it's really hard to, to see where like, Hey, that drags or that's, you know, doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So having the other people that are in part of 99 spokes, I'm sure that helps a lot. Yeah. I think the, the team as a whole, we have a good breadth of knowledge um, on all the areas that we want to cover, but um, I do think I, I agree with Josh that, you know, getting some, well, taking a little bit off of his plate and getting some fresh faces, you know, up on the videos, I think will be a good thing uh, as we grow. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's somehow that you like have some kind of like ambassador type of thing or something like that, sure. where you can pick and choose from people. And because you have, you know, good relationships with certain brands, you'd be able to like pass on some kind of pricing for them or something like that, where, where it's um, not necessarily where you need them to be employed, or maybe they're just going to give you some, some video of them talking about it. And then you can put it into an edit, you, you know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like, they don't yeah. actually have to make the whole video, you know, it's like, Hey, just talk to me about this or talk to me about that. Here's the can the questions that I want you to answer you know, give me a shot from this angle and this angle and boom, you're good. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. but, um, but I mean, as it is right now, you guys are just getting started. I, I would imagine with just the main brands of, of bikes, not even getting into like, not even getting into the direct to consumer brands, just like the ones that are in the bike shops, just to keep up with what they're releasing throughout the year and trying to like make review content on that. That's a lot. So mm -hmm. it's like, there has to be some way that you're deciding, you know, how do you, uh, to me, that's that, like when I'm sitting there thinking about how to solve that problem, that's the thing that seems the most difficult to me is like, how do I juggle between the specialized gravel bike and also the commuter bike that you were talking, the cruiser that somebody wants to just go pick up their groceries with versus the the thousand dollar Chinese e-bike, you know, like what, what videos, like how do you prioritize like what, what you're doing? I think just trying to keep a balance, you know, so yeah. we haven't even talked about like short form content right now, but a whole, most of our growth on every channel has been from short form videos. I mean, we've got several videos with hundreds of thousands of views. We've got one that's close to, close to half a million. And so those are big ways that people are like finding out about us and interacting mm -hmm. with us on social media. And so those are obviously a little bit easier to pump out, but it is like looking like, okay, we've got like two mountain bikes, a road bike, let's try to get an urban bike in there. Okay. Now we need a gravel bike. And so like, especially this time of year, like fall, winter, so many new bikes coming out. So it is looking like, okay, we've got like a couple of days ago, I think there's a new Canyon Lux trail, the new um, Santa Cruz V10 and the giant stance, like all dropped the same day. It's like, okay, what are we going to focus? I mean, I'm not going to make like three shorts today or whatever, but how are we going to focus on it and like look back and see what brands we've talked about recently, what categories of bikes we've talked about recently and just trying to keep it well-rounded as we can. But again, I think like we're all just trying to keep in mind that, you know, we're not like, we're not bike radar. Um, yeah. And I think the people who are encountering, engaging with us on social media recognize that. Um, and we're doing our best to like step up from where we've been, you know, for even just four months ago, but can't, can't get everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fortunately that short form form comment or content has become more prevalent now yeah. so that you actually could, you know, 
touch base at least lightly on some of those those releases pretty quickly i mean yeah you know as well as i do like yes the short form video still takes quite a bit of effort to make but it's definitely not the same effort as like a 15 minute video you know so so that's nice i mean just just not having to create a thumbnail in the same aspect <laughs> that you do for youtube is like oh wow so much time that i've yeah, seen or like, yeah or it's like oh i really only need to find one piece of 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 music i don't need yeah. you know 10 and which you know like they they it, that stuff is just so time consuming it's it's one of those things where if you don't make content you really don't realize how how long that stuff takes you know yeah so um scott what's some of the uh the struggles that you guys are like run into as trying to you know make this thing bigger and better um model years yeah. <laughs> um part of you know organizing the data like we want to requires model years um and as i'm sure you're aware the bike industry is moving away from them you know i think for the better i think mainly because they want to be able to sell the same bike you know year over you know for a couple of years in a row without you know devaluing it mm -hmm. you know it's a 2022 or whatever um but if you're looking forward five years and you're trying to help someone find their bike you know, so they can replace the brake pads or something, they're going to be thinking in terms of years and, you know, not yeah. generations of the frame or what, of whatever they've moved to. So I think that's a challenging, you know, boring problem for, for us, you know, because we have to sort of, some brands will declare it and then we'll use it. Some brands kind of like have it in the page, but it's hidden and we'll use that. And then other brands, we have to just sort of decide when it's, yeah, when that it's just gets 2024. Difficult. That gets difficult too, though. I'm just thinking, like, in terms of of Santa Cruz, for example, they usually release every two years. Let's just say, and um, so it's like, okay, you have the Bronson Four, right? But both years are different. Like, even though they're both the Bronson Four, it's not like they have the exact same drivetrain on. Like, let's just say the transmission dropped this year, so that gets the transmission this year for their mm -hmm. top end. Mm -hmm. So even if you're thinking in terms of model you're still going to have like like model four a and b yeah yeah it is difficult um <laughs> yeah, that, that is a hell of a problem and like, it's not even really a problem that can be solved correctly right it's like yeah. there's some amount of subjectivity and like making the call someone has to make the call right. right and so so we do we do that um yeah you know, santa cruz right now has right now they'll have they have multiple, like they have say four colors for the Nomad or some, and two of them are the 2024 and two of them are the 2023. And that is actually in, if you look hard enough, it's in the page data, you know, so internally they're talking about it like that, you know, and the yeah. 2023s are on sale and the 2024s aren't, but it's the same product page you're looking at, just changing the color selector, you know, modifies the price. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've noticed some things like that with them particularly like if you're looking at the url the way that the like mm. image is named or something like that yes. and yep. like oh okay so this is like I've, I've gotten a clue before like oh there's something new coming because this has you know what i mean where yeah where it's like oh there's this letter there that's not on the other ones or something so um yeah it's interesting yeah we have 
we've we added a new releases feature i don't know six months ago or something and so you know we have a page on the site that is new releases and so we we basically take the press release from the brand and you know paste it into the new release and add an image and a youtube video if they have one and but then have a comparison of the bikes that are on the site so you can just you can quickly get in you can read a little bit of their marketing copy and quickly get into to comparing the bikes on 99 spokes and that's been super helpful for managing you know while it's a manual task it helps us kind of keep a a better overview of when things are changing because you know when canyon releases a new lux trail you know they talk about it and then we know that we need to go tell the robots that this is actually a 2024 not a 2023 even though there's nothing in the page to indicate that yeah. so there's some when you're saying what are you guys all doing that's what we're doing we're managing all <laughs> years <laughs> yeah i mean but it it's like i said you know as as the cons the end user it they're all things that you just you wouldn't think of and yeah and i think that um in terms of this conversation, I think that stuff's interesting. You know, it's interesting to understand like what what's really happening there. So you guys have a sizing on, on the the bikes, and I think that's one of those things that's so difficult for everybody, even if you've been riding for a while. Is that purely off of what the manufacturer is recommending, or is that some other kind of uh, information that you're using to, to put that chart together? Yeah, if the manufacturer has a size chart on their on the bike page, we will include that data and use it to populate the size chart if they don't we will have a you know an estimated we have a little asterisk next to it that mm -hmm. says estimated and that's based on you know looking at of all the data we have if it's a size large it typically fits within this range and so we'll you know we'll just kind of give you a reasonable default mm -hmm. um it's not a perfect solution i think but the writer, the site charts that the manufacturers provide also is not a perfect solution. I mean, those are often yeah. just not, I mean, even if, even with a fairly middle of the road, you know, preference, I feel like some of those size charts are, are off. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I was on somebody's site not too long ago. I don't remember what brand it was, but I, I thought it was really cool that you like, it showed like your height, let's just say six, two, and it'd be like extra large. And it'd be, you know, this is more stable. And then it would be large. This will be more whippy and fun. Yeah. You know, I thought it was really cool that they broke it down like that, yeah. where where um, then it kind of gave somebody like an idea of, oh, well, that's kind of what I would rather feel. Or, mm -hmm. you know, the yeah. cockpit is going to feel tight like this, but it'll climb good. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 The, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to well, say, Specialized does that with uh, like their S sizing or whatever. But, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, Robert, it's so um, uh, subjective. There, there's the word I'm going yeah. for. So subjective, you know, of like this, uh, we've got a Canyon Torque on to review. And I think the size large has a 500 mil reach, you know, which is like equivalent to an Excel in a lot of brands. And it's just so much variance. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you guys think that sizing should change to something like what? specialized does where they have all these different numbers or do you think the sizing should go maybe like the route like uh road bikes where it's really like a 52 a 56 a 58 like would that help more in the mountain bike space to be kind of a little bit more generic that way didn't we start there <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know like in my mind when i started riding in the 90s and mountain bikes and it was yeah. still like 
large. No, I guess oh, there really? was like 19 was, inch. Yeah. That's what I remember. When I started in yeah, like yeah, 2012, right, yeah. it was like an 18 inch or whatever. Yeah, no, that's right. I forgot about that. Huh. Well, and I think they I were measuring. Like... They were measuring the, you know, the center of the bottom bracket, like center to top, like traditional, you know, and that doesn't really work anymore. Like that, you know, a lot has right. changed there. I don't, I don't know that the names are the problem. I think it's, I think it's, it's. There's a, it's just a complicated problem to solve. Like, yeah. have you, have you seen the rad, the rad guy, the rad body measure? Or I, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he's it's a YouTuber and he, he talks about his rad system. And it's like the, if you think of stack and reach, it's like the, it's like the, the hypotenuse of the triangle. It's like the, you know, it's the, like you're down two blanks pretty much. Well, but it, it's so it's basically like you, you take a, a string and you go from the center of the bottom bracket to the center of the handlebar, like where you're going to grip it. And I think that that's a really interesting way to think about sizing a bike because it 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 removes like seat tube angle. And, you know, as, as long as you assume like a, a relative, well, and it, it accommodates for the stem length and it just this this single measure and like you you basically want that to match where your fist is when you're standing next to a wall so like i think you're talking height, about the lead like spikes guy yeah 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 that yeah, thing yeah 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 and i yeah, that's a lot I, of really good information on his channel i think that that's that's an interesting approach towards sizing for mountain bikes at least i think you know and he has some interesting ideas of why that's the right size and how you can move the bike around underneath you and you know what happens when you try and do that when a bike that's too big and you right. know he dismisses the whole idea of of uh you know longer is more stable because modern mountain bikes are all stable even if they're you know this you know i, yeah. I don't know it's it's polarizing but um yeah i think i think that's kind of an intriguing you know easy to measure easy to map to a human way of sizing that yeah all the other measures don't really you know, they have their shortcomings. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, it really, really is, a, a, like you said, a, a tough problem to solve when you, when you, you come down, when it come down to it, because A, it's so subjective and B, it's like, there's so much at play that where it's like, oh, okay, well, that large bike might be perfect with you for you if you change the stem from the 35 millimeter that they have on there to a, a 50. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's going to change your steering. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like, yeah. So it, it's such a mess. And I, I think a site like what you guys are building that's, you know, trying to educate people on what, what those things are is um, it, it's, you know, it, it's definitely needed. You know, it, it's one of those things where a lot of people don't realize like, hey, if I change this stem to lo a longer one, like what is that going to do to the way my bike feels when I'm riding it? you know, yeah. or, or if I'm sizing down, like, like I know I, I'm riding a large and more than likely my seat is going to be way taller than they ever expected it to be. So more than likely when I'm climbing, I'm going to like, my front tire is going to feel not as planted because a lot of times it's going to be very easy for me to like yeah. pull, pull the weight back. But that's something that I'm willing to accept for like the flickability of the bike whenever I'm, I'm smashing. But you know, somebody that's just starting, they have no clue. 
Yeah. You know, they're like, well, I really like the black one and that's a large. And, uh, you know, like the extra large only comes in brown. I don't want the brown one. You know, so okay. like that's what they're really yeah. deciding on. So. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, for the, the person that doesn't have a lot to go off of, it's pretty easy to hit the mark and get them a bike that they're going to have fun on. But I think, you know, that like when you make that decision, you almost always offend the people that know everything about bikes and because they can find a reason why that isn't the right, you know, based on their yeah. opinions. And I think that, you know, for someone like you, the geometry, if you can look at the geometry of a bike that you know you like, you know how it handles, and then overlay that on or overlay it, the bike you're considering on top of it, that's the like, we can't tell you which size you should ride because you you right. know what you want. But if you can see and visualize, you know, the C2 angle or the, you know, whatever difference is in the, in the bike you're considering, I think that's helpful for you as a type of user. Yeah, I didn't realize you guys had that tool actually once we get off and go take a look at it because it sounds yeah. pretty cool to, to, to check out. Um, yeah, I was coming from an enduro, a specialized enduro, wanting to get an e-mount bike, and then I was looking at the Heckler SL, and like I just I'm in between sizes there, and I could, and I you know the sizing chart even has me in between sizes, but I can just absolutely see it when I, you know, draw the bikes on top of each other. I look at the geo overlay, and I ended up yeah. making the decision based on that to then get a relay instead because that was just exactly <laughs> what I wanted it to be. <laughs> You're um, like, and but, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Which is a bummer because I was really stoked on that Heckler SL, but um my Brian, the other guy, the other uh, 90 spokes guy ended up with that and it's very cool. But I yeah. do also feel like I made the right call based on my And then they released class. a new Kniebo like right after you bought it. <sighs> I, I felt SL, bad living in Bellingham and not having a transition. So I had to okay. like, you know. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh scott what's the where where is like the the perfect spot that you see the site getting to like where is the like is there a certain set of features where you're like okay in my mind once we get there like we're we're pretty set and um yeah i mean i think we, we currently or we've built a tool that's like really attractive and helpful for the the people that might be so inclined to like make their own spreadsheet, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and crunch the numbers or get way too into comparing these bikes. And I think we haven't necessarily served the, you know, or at least our UX hasn't necessarily served just the absolute beginner. And I don't know that we'll ever get there, but I think there's, we can move away from the power user and towards, you know, serving the more novice. I don't really know the difference between you know, a super deluxe select and select plus and base. And what, what does it mean to have these knobs? And I mean, there's all these like problems that you take for granted being in this space for so long, you, you understand what these things mean. And I think there's just a lack of accessible education around them for someone who's just getting into it. And I think so like where would I like to go? Like a four-star fork and this fork is a two-star fork kind of idea is what you're thinking? Yeah, about. like I don't, I don't want to make it, it can't be that simple. I mean, we kind of already do that with the spec level. Like we give this one more points because it's more expensive because it has more dials, but I want to like mm -hmm. help people understand what that means. Like, why would I want that? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think, 
you know, a, and it becoming a better educational resource for people that aren't necessarily like way into it. Like they don't know everything already. Mm -hmm. um, I think is a just a general direction we're trying to go. And I think the stuff Josh is doing is part of that. Um, but I think the site can also get better at it. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately we love what we're doing right now. We think it's valuable to people and we're excited about, you know, building it and maintaining it. And so I think I just want it to be just to continue to grow and become more of a, you know, a known influencer in the space, which will open up more opportunities to make it even better mm -hmm. and just keep doing that. I think we've, we, my view of, you know, the, this, the cycling industry and marketing is that everybody does Google and Facebook and they, and then they do like the top three, four five, you know, media outlets related to bikes and they ignore almost everything else. And so I think it would be great if we could break into one of those top three, four, five. We're not the same. We're not trying to be the same. We're not trying to be a pink bike, a vital, a, you know, but we have like this different angle and we're, you know, sort of regarded as an important, like if you're going to release your bike, you want to be here. You want to be talked about here. And it doesn't even necessarily mean like they're paying us, right? Like it just means we want to be in the loop so we can help provide the data so we can help the people on site. Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, if you're providing good information or good content, you'll become that no matter what, you know, and like, it's, which day? it's like, a, which, yeah. Which end of the day will that happen? Right, right. How many days? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing in the YouTube space where, you know, with other creators that, you know, it's, you'll beat yourself up over, you know, why is my channel not growing or why is this video not doing well? And it's like, well, more than likely it's not doing well because it's not a good video. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like you have, it's really, but, but it, when you make good stuff, people eat it up, you know? And, and I think that's the bottom line is like provide and inf provide information that people want and they'll come for it, you know? And, and um, it seems like what you guys are doing is, is, um, is doing that. So, I can see it catching on. And I think that the, uh, the aspect of adding in the social media stuff to, to kind of build, build a brand that people recognize that way. I mean, I mean, how many people have bought park tools because of their tutorials that they have on, on there? You, you know what I mean? There, there's a ton of people that they, they, they could walk into the store and other than it being blue, they would have never noticed that it was any different than any other tool that was hanging on the wall. Mm -hmm. But it's like, there's so many tutorials out there. It's it's brand recognition, you know, and I, I think you guys are onto that. So I, I want to ask real quick before we wrap up, why 99 smoke spokes? Um, yeah, there's not a great, yeah, I don't have a great answer for you. Yeah. <laughs> try and try and find a domain. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's memorable. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to spell um it was available yeah um well, i have friends that are like you know what do you like what like it's not no wheel has 99 spokes 32 28 you know even like 64 like i'm like you're overthinking it it's just 99 yeah. spokes it's a lot yeah of no. Spokes. <laughs> yeah no i think it's cool 55 so. stands thank you right yeah there you go that's gonna be the sister company <laughs> <Yeah. Our town. laughs> 
All right, man. Well, either way, I really appreciate both of you guys taking the time to to sit down and chat with me. Is you feel like there's anything I we didn't cover that you want to bring up before we get off? No, I think that's it. But uh, also, thank you. Thanks for yeah. giving us the opportunity to come on. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, any of you out there that haven't checked out their content, look up Ninety Nine Spokes on uh, YouTube or facebook they even have an instagram a tiktok they got the twitter or x now i think that's what we got to do for the like how long do we have to say twitter and x now that they changed their name so anyway okay like those... right? yeah exactly right? well, yeah exactly we're gonna start a whole other conversation on that so uh, <laughs> if you want to check out the site though or any of the features that we talked about 99 and that's not spelled out it's the number nine the number nine spokes.com and uh go t- check out some of the stuff that they have over there and um while you're on instagram and facebook giving them a follow do me the favor and do the same thing for me because you know when i see those numbers grow it makes me feel better about what i'm doing if you want to do something for free just remember it only takes a bike to be a biker get out and be one